This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Carroll, and we've got a, a bumper crew today, a, a back four of myself, Conor O'Neill, Gavin Buckland, and, of course, Dave Prentice, everyone's favourite Everton author over Christmas. Uh-huh. Dave, a lot of... Uh, a lot of nice reviews for a grand old team to report. I've had a lot of very favourable reviews, all on social media. None from my friends at the Echo. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was uh, very, very pleasantly not surprised. Uh, you know, I was kind of hoping that people would uh, receive it very well. And it seems to have gone down well. Yeah, lots of nice messages, which I'd like to thank everybody for. Uh, it's great reading them all. Great reading nice stuff about your work on uh, on social media rather than criticism for a change. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm glad people enjoyed it. Well, from from nice messages then to uh, to a not so nice game at Goodison Park last time out. Went into it, didn't we? Confident. There was a lot of confident predictions on the Royal Blue podcast, uh, the the previous edition. If if you did tune in, I don't think any of us took the uh, took the three points home for a one nil West Ham win. Mm. I've just spoken to to Michael Ball for for his column proud to stick with you and. He quite simply put it as a, a night to forget. It's pretty fair assumption, uh, pretty fair assessment, isn't it? Yeah, it was a dreadful match. Uh, just so dull and non-existent, really, of any kind of like attacking creativity. David Moyes did a number on us. Um, yeah. He's very aware of the fact that you know his side had been put through the mill over the Christmas period in terms of injuries and COVID tests and games coming thick and fast. And he just came to Goodison and did what we know he's quite capable of doing, setting the team up that was uh, not going to lose or not going to concede chances and then just take what it could uh, going forward in the final third. And unfortunately, we didn't have the zest or the creativity to break that down. Richarlison is going through a a poor run of form at the moment, we have to say that. Um, And, you know, we rely on him so heavily for so much of our goal output and our creativity. When he's not doing it, there's not really much else were. I mean, uh, obviously, Iwobi wasn't around. James Rodriguez was only on the... Uh, actually, you know, James looked bright, you know, sort of on the occasions that, you know, so you got on the ball, but obviously it wasn't enough. Um, so we just were incapable of breaking them down. And you could just sort of sense that West Ham had little moments in the second half where, you know, they fancied the chances. They didn't certainly pose under any kind of pressure. And Sod's Law, the game, the, the goal that was going to decide the game, came from a you know a slashed shot across the goal that was going well wide that Yerry Mina managed to deflect into the path of somebody else. And it was yeah. just it was a horrible night all round. I mean when you sat listening to Steve McManaman and Rudy Fletch, you know, sort of excruciate your ear balls anyway. And then uh, then <laughs> I try try and claim, you know, saw how great a goal that was. It was like ah oh. it was just a night to forget really. It's, and we're going to get moments like that during this season because it's still very, very much a work in progress, as we've said with Carlo. We've had three great results back-to-back. And we've had, you know, so a bad one. So it's three steps forward, one step back. Let's not beat ourselves up about it. It was, it was a grim night. It was flat. It was uneventful. But looking at the bigger picture, let's not get too down on ourselves. A, a nice bit of perspective there, Gavin. I think, think that is what we, what we all need, isn't it? If someone would have offered you... I think, are we still in fourth? Fourth in the Premier League table at the start of January, at the start of the season? You would have bit the hand off, surely. Yeah, absolutely. Got to see the big picture, uh, as you say. Um, the only sort of concern I've got is, uh, is the fact that the other car, we've been quite sticky 
Cove, haven't we? Yeah. We started off really well, and then we tanked a little bit just before lockdown and been great over. Then started the season with seven wins, then had one win in eight games or whatever it was, and one four on the spinners player was losing. So hope this is not one of those again we're going to start another sequence now where we, we you know we tail off a bit. Um so it's it, 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 it's it's yeah, it's once we get only as long as we come back in the next two or three fixtures and show the form he's shown in, in December. Uh, I, I agree with Plan out. Not many benefits of lockdown, but certainly one of them on New Year's Day. I was thinking I'd be sitting there absolutely freezing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> freezing something off, shall we say. And, uh, you know, probably an ace and the hangover, or all hangover as we all do on the day watching that rubbish, you know. <laughs> so, I, thought, well, I was actually sitting on the couch, chocolate and biscuits, thinking, thank God I'm not there, you know. So that was the only benefit of lockdown, I think, about um, it's noticeable that Phil and Adam not here, so believe they still frozen to their seats, are they? It's like a cartoon. We're going to go and like chisel them out of the ice blocks when, when we get a chance. Yeah, uh, no one's there. Uh, no, and I think a terrible game, uh, but once have just put behind us, but we need to come back and do a lot better next time. Also, obviously, we've got a cup game, obviously, we're on the week, uh, which may give us an opportunity to get a, another victory. It was an odd one, though, wasn't it, Connor? I mean, before the game, you know, Lucas Fabianski, one of the, one of the most consistent goalkeepers in the Premier League, he gets injured. Randolph comes in; he didn't look totally comfortable uh, with his kicking, as if maybe he was carrying a bit of an injury as well. And and by no means, I don't think a, a West Ham uh, or the they haven't been known over the last couple of seasons for their kind of defensive solidity. But we we didn't really seem to be taking the game to them. I think at times it almost seemed like Everton. With the away team, didn't it? Yeah, I think the, the tactical setup was it was not probably too dissimilar to what we'd seen in recent weeks. The way Everton have set up, but I think the difference was that it, it, in the last couple of weeks, where we played teams who were probably more attacker minded than we are, we yeah. played a team there who we had to be more attacker minded of than them. And I think what Penel said earlier about you know David Moyes doing number rounds, that's exactly what happened. It was a stalemate. It was, it was almost like a game of chess going nowhere um, until a, a deflected effort falls into the lap of. No, West Ham playing in, in the final 10 minutes but I think that was the most disappointing thing was that we didn't really even after the first 10-15 minutes we didn't up the ante and really take the game to West Ham which just kind of carried on plodding along and hoping that something would come off but without really trying and I think that was the most disappointing thing because you, you kind of felt that Everton could have done three or four gears quite easily uh, and they didn't they didn't even really get going I mean, even after West Ham scored we, we didn't really look like carving open or creating any chances and I think what Pernod said there as well about you know, being a work in progress, that was the most clear sign to me, you know, probably all season that we've had that. In. This is still a major work in progress and, you know, Carlo and Chelsea's squad certainly needs improvement, certainly needs more fine-tuning if we are going to be consistent and top four, you know, top four challenges. I know you, you mentioned them a little bit there. I mean, what, what what's going on with, with Richarlison at the moment? He, he just looked a little bit... He just looks angry, doesn't he? he? He certainly isn't enjoying his football, I don't think. No, it's, I wish I knew the answer because he's so important to us. And you know you're always going to get a shift from him. You know, his attitude is always absolutely top class, which is why Carlo very rarely, you know, so withdraws him. You know, so he's normally on the pitch until the final whistle. 
because you know that there's always a prospect of him pulling something out of nowhere. But whatever he's trying at the moment just isn't quite coming off. And um, I don't know what that is. Is it a confidence thing? Um, has he just played a bit too much football? <laughs> I don't know. I wish I knew the answer, but there's no doubt whatsoever that he is actually toiling at the moment. He's struggling for form. Would he benefit from being pulled out of the uh, the firing line for a game or two? I'm not so sure he would. You get the impression he's one of these players that hates not being involved. He's got to be on the pitch all the time. And he's the kind of player that probably needs to play through it, I think. Um, you know, maybe just get one. Well, I mean, play him against Rotherham at the weekend, you know, and uh, you know, so try and get his confidence up and you know, get, get a goal. Um, I don't know if we get a penalty again, allow him to take it rather than Gilfie Sigurdsson. It's difficult to to know exactly what to do to try and turn him round. Um, obviously, what Carlos seeing on the training pitch is, is working because he's uh, he's still picking him, you know. So whenever he's fit, but there's, he's definitely not right at the moment. Uh, we're not seeing quite the player that we were, you know. So maybe six weeks ago, start of the season, and it's it's a concern. No doubt whatsoever about that. It's a it's a concern, Gav. But you know, we we all we all know and and love Richarlison. I think maybe he's had a couple of spells like this, not only at Everton, I think, but in English football as well. Don't he scored in the second half of the season for Watford? Did he when he first came yeah. uh, to England? Obviously, I don't think it's it's anything that's going to last quite that long. But you know, Carlo Ancelotti will be hoping that he finds form sooner rather than later because it feels like when Richarlison isn't firing. Everton don't fire, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not only is his offensive output, but his defensive covering as well. Uh, Sam, a couple of observations about um, New Year's Day. I'd say, is it in the grey? He started on the right, didn't he? Yeah. On uh, in Sheffield United. But his best position starting on the left. I think you always put the best players in the best positions. That's where they are, and I would have, I would have swapped them at one stage, didn't he? I would have yeah. had some wide left and played Bernard on the other side. Especially against somebody like West Ham, where you're going to, you know, where Moise is set up, you know, it's going to be tight. Uh, I'd have put him wide left. Uh, I also think the, you know, I know a couple of people mentioned they always had that concussion, hadn't they, against uh, Manchester United? Yeah. Had to take six days. Six days, I think, under the Premier League rules. Uh, I'm just wondering whether he was fully, fully functioning in terms of, uh, you know, it's just general fitness and just general being at it. You know, I think we need to take that into account on uh, on Friday. Um, and but I would like to see him playing um, and try and play himself back into form because the central part of our team isn't he? He's, he's one of the two or two or three key players that we've got that you can't really do without. Um, so I'm not particularly concerned about Gallison at the moment. Um, I, I think there's a, a couple of mitigating factors for, for, for Friday. If it was Friday, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you do lose track of your days over, over the period. Yeah, I think it, it was. <laughs> I can't remember. I think it was Friday, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, just, just as an added thing about Mary's, it couldn't have been a more Moyes like performance if Tim Kale had come on and scored the, the only goal from ahead of ten minutes of time, wasn't it really, you know? Uh, <laughs> no, but Richarlison, I, I think I, I'm okay with Richarlison. I wouldn't need too much into, into Friday. I think he needs a few games back under his belt after that uh, concussion, to be fair. 
he's a he's a young lad and he's an enthusiastic lad, isn't he, Connor? Do you think there is just that aspect and perhaps we kind of got an insight into it when the kind of bizarre penalty incident happened with Sigurdsson against Chelsea, where one minute he was kind of half-fronting Sigurdsson for the ball and the next minute he's, he's smiling and celebrating with him. Is, is there just that element of he's maybe just trying too hard and, you know, for the last couple of seasons he has been the, the fan favourite, the star, the man who leads from the front and leads by example and, you know, scoring a lot of goals. Maybe now that that's dried up a little bit and Calvert-Lewin and Hammers have came to the fore, could there just be that little sense of frustration that's just bugging them down, do you think? Or, or is this just a, a general bad run of form like every single player ever goes through? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think, you know, you, you, I, I think he, he's been ever star man, hasn't he, since he, since he basically come in. You know, he, he's, well, you have to look, it was, it was only on Boxing Day, wasn't it, where he's won a game for the first time and also not been in the side since he joined. Um, and I think he relishes being that star man and, and being that one who carries the team and, and carries the burden and, and kind of, you know, tries to leave on the front. But I think, you know, recently, obviously, Calvert-Lewin's, you know, comes to four, Hamish Rodriguez, as you say, and he finds that taking a little bit of a back seat. So maybe I think that is an issue, but I, I just think as well, he, he's had a, you know, a poor run of form, like most players do, and I think now it's, it's more about some bouncing back. And, you know, I, I agree with what the Perron and Gavapo said. I think, you know, you just got to leave him in the team. Not only he plays himself back into form, start, you know, rather him in the cup on Saturday. I think you think back to the start of the season where, you know, the first couple of games and he hadn't scored and, he was getting quite frustrated in front of goal and, and you could see that. And, you know, I think the Fleetwood game away in the, in the League Cup where he was given a start and you know, he scored after 20 minutes and he just looked a different player straight away from that. And I think, you know, Carl Anshossi got to kind of do the same again now this weekend. And I know people will probably expect changes for Adam, but I think, you know, Richarlson's, he's got to stay in the team. We've got to hope that, you know, he plays himself back into form and he, he becomes that, you know, that lead figure again because, you know, like the lads have said, he is so important for Everton and, you know, his, his contribution when he's on his on top form is second to none. And, you know, it, it's no surprise, was it, on, on, on Friday that Everton struggled to create any real clear cut chances with him having such an off night. Preno, last time we were uh, we were on the podcast together, we were we were happier than we were now, but we were also oh. singing the praises of, of Tom Davis. And I, I thought the game against West Ham kind of sum, summed up the juxtaposition that we spoke about on that podcast, wasn't it? I thought in the first half, he was dropping deep into those positions again and getting on the ball. And then maybe the second half, just lost that little bit of composure and, and that little bit of consistency that we were asking for. Might have just went went missing a little bit. What what did you make of his performance overall? I, I didn't think he was that bad, to be honest. Uh, just an ordinary performance, like so many players um, that night. I mean, to be honest, he wasn't really the problem that night. I mean, Sheffield United, he was carrying the ball and he was driving forward. And he was, you know, sort of trying to make things happen. But it was a very different game that night. I mean, uh, West Ham, two solid banks of four, asking play, you know, teams to break them down. And that's not really Tom's game. You know, so you want your Richarlison's and, uh, you know, the wider players uh, to be doing that, uh, your full-backs to be getting forward. And again, that was an issue. I mean, Seamus Coleman normally does that so well. Um, and obviously wasn't really able to do that as much as he would do normally. Although I thought he was like one of the brighter players and Godfrey just didn't have the space, you know, sort of attack into. So it wasn't really a night for Tom to shine, but no, I didn't really think he was that bad. I mean, uh, I wouldn't like to, you know, be critical of him uh, yeah. that night. I thought our uh, our issues that night lay elsewhere, um, you know, so other areas of the pitch. I mean, again, I felt so sorry for Dominic Calvert-Lewin that night, who's feeding on absolute scraps at the moment. 
And uh, I've seen people suggesting that the big problem is that Lucas Dean is, uh, is injured and his, his supply line is being taken away. And it's yeah. not as simplistic as that. I mean, just that, that's part of it, obviously, because he provides such quality from the flanks that we're used to. And the quality from the flanks has been absent in recent games. And uh, I'm thinking Alex Iwobi, I talked the last podcast about that one, and I forget which game it was now, where Calvert-Lew made this great run into the box down the street and then he managed to leather it into the, uh, into the Bullens Road. And then there was, again, there was one on New Year's Day uh, where Seamus Coleman actually got you know free for once down the right-hand side. And Dominic made this great run into the box and Seamus played it just behind him. And it's just like you want a little bit of extra quality from the fans. And that's what we lacked. I mean, uh, Tom Davis was okay on New Year's Day, just okay. But we needed quality from the wider positions. And unfortunately, we didn't have it at all. And that's why we drew a blank, I'm afraid. And we need to rediscover that. Whether it's a question of, you know, other players coming back in again after injury, whether James Rodriguez, but if it's a start now, will make a difference. You know, I, I certainly hope so. But that is probably a reason. I know it's going off topic a little bit, but, you know, so why Dominic is drawing so many blanks at the moment. Well, let's let's stay with you for a, for a moment, Preno, because you, you've told me you're chomping at the bit to, to get into this. And uh, when Adam got up today, he drew he drew my attention. <laughs> yeah. He's off work. Yeah. And yeah. For, anyone, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, that Chris Sutton and Robbie Savage, those, uh, those big names <laughs> of the game, on radio, on, on BBC Five Live Sport today, I've been promising to name and shame the divers and cheaters every week on their show. And this week, they've gave the award to Dominic Calvert-Lewin <laughs> for simulating a foul against West Ham, against Pablo Fornals, which you might be a better man than me, Preno. I, I don't remember uh, that. But, but Chris Sutton says, the winner of the simulation game this week, the award you don't want to win is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. They will be booing Calvert Lewin, and, and he did try and rhyme booing and Calvert Lewin. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear! If he carries on diving, come on, you're better than that, Dom. Stop simulating, and I'll just give you a, a few a few portions of the replies from Everton fans. One was, "What in God's name is this?" One told the BBC to fold, which is quite simple. Uh, and, and Adam Jones, our, our Echo reporter, says. I usually try and ignore this stuff rather than give it any attention, but this is potentially one of the most mind-boggling takes I've ever heard. How wrong can you be? I, I just think, look, obviously that they pay for their opinions, but a, a little bit embarrassing that, wasn't it? The, the, it's laughable, utterly laughable. They're trying too hard to be controversial, and they're actually shying away. Uh, from the real issues, the real players who are diving all the time and uh, simulating. And we know who we're talking about here, you know, the, the big name players, Mohamed Salah, Harry Kane. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so why did they not, you know, so find the obvious, you know, opportunities from them, which you will find in every single game. Uh, but they didn't. They picked on Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which was utterly bizarre. The incident you're talking about, I have no recollection of. So it was clearly, no. you know, so clearly that low profile. I get the impression that it's... Is it, uh, pundits that don't watch Everton all that often. Uh, as we tend to find people talking about Richarlison not being a hard worker, you know, you have no laugh out here. You're the hardest working you know, player in the team. It's people that just get little fleeting viewpoints of watching Everton Football Club play. Now, I'm thinking back, Calvert-Lewin got a little bit of flack from Jurgen Klopp about two years ago, was it? Uh, when he, in inverted commas, went over easily in a derby match to win the penalty that Wayne Rooney scored. Now, it was the same game that Adam Lallana you know, went over even more easily um, you know, so to, to win a penalty, or was it the following derby match? But that was reasonably high profile. So maybe that is just like lodged in their subconscious that Dominic Calvert-Lewin tends to be involved in, you know, some incidents 
revolving penalties. The only one I can think of is the one against Chelsea recently, which was a stone waller, which like absolutely yeah. nobody complained about, you know, which he got cleaned up by the goalkeeper. Yeah. I genuinely can't think of any other incidents whereby he's gone down easily. If it no. had said with Charleston, I couldn't really have complained then. I would have thought, well, yeah, okay, he probably does go down a bit too easily sometimes, even though he does tend to, you know, sort of get clipped and he does, you know, milk it a little bit while he's down on the deck. But Dominic doesn't. Dominic never has done. It was just the most bizarre man to pick out to highlight for the first of what you claim is going to be a series of naming and shaming. If you're going to make this a successful series, pick somebody that deserves it, <laughs> not a completely left field one. I mean, it's got us talking about it because, you know, so we watch Everton regularly. The rest of the country won't. They just, you know, they raise their eyebrows and think, really? I'm sorry. They could have really made a name for themselves by picking the people that are doing this routinely and, you know, sort of named and shamed them. But to pick somebody that is as honest as the day is long is a, a bizarre decision. It really is. Just laugh at it, which is what we've done because it is. It's laughable. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's tough, isn't it, Gav? Because, you know, it really does seem, you know, this is this game was hours before the incident itself was only been an hour before Paul Pogba arguably stripped himself up in, in, in a really big yeah. talk into the weekend. Why 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 do you think they've chosen Carver Lewin? Is is it just purely to cause that much outrage that you get the attention? Uh, I don't know, Buffett. I'm not sure. Is this something they do every week or uh, is this Apparently a new thing for the new year. Something. Apparently, it's something they, they do every week here, but they, they kind of build it as you know, crowning our yeah. first, our first cheap so, week, and it's it's very kind of so we don't, to, to 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 call it you know yeah. naming and shaming the cheats. It's it's very strong strong language, really, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I think the the station in question have got a lot of time for. They've got a lot of great presenters and a lot of great commentators, but it really. Doesn't it do itself just as shall we say when it gets a little bit more uh, don't use the phrase down market, but it will do in this case, you know. And uh course it's really poor. I think if you got I think you can go through every Premier League game played in a round of matches and you'll see two or three things like that, won't you? Every game, either yeah. in or in out the area. So I don't think just picking one person out uh is particularly fair. Pick all Thirty players out, you know. Um, I trust the, the other thing. If you want to talk a name shame, and if you want to get all moralistic about it, I presume in the same uh, same show they also mentioned those players who didn't social distance over the over Christmas. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you want to name and shame people, and I think that's far more serious. I trust. I trust that was given far more attention than people. People. Um, you know, potentially diving or whatever in the area. Those are the serious issues. You know, and um, that, that's the problem I've got. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know what it reminds me You know, the I see all the tweets and all. I know what it reminds me of. It reminds me of you know, when the Axe was the first player booked for the simulation. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I, I just have a similar type of thought process, you know. But like Prano said, I bet you've been top, top one. He's a Man City Liverpool player this week, he wouldn't be done. But I don't know what he's been done previously, so I can't comment on that. But it's just an art. I just don't see the purpose of it. You know, I can I can see it as part of a, a, a generating a discussion, you know, of, of an intellectual discussion about it, but just couching those terms. And I've seen the clip, well, heard the clip in question, and 
it's just it's just lowest common denominator, isn't it? It's not punditry. You know, you turn into some sort of Saturday night game show, aren't you? Yeah. You know, which is just uh, it's just not. I'm not sure whether that's the role of of that that show, to be honest with you. Um, but that's my take on it. I think there's far more far more behavioural issues by footballers over the Christmas and New Year period than than you know trying to fame, trying to win a penalty, whatever. That's what we should be talking about. Connor, can can you save us? Can can you remember oh. what the incident was? No, I have absolutely no idea what they were. But when I first heard the clip, and I actually, you know, he mentioned the one instant why he won the award. I was actually thinking to myself, when was that? You know, yeah. we've been talking about the same game. Like, does that? It's just it shows how blatant of a dive it was when no one, no one even knows what they're talking about. I think it's just, it's just flabbergasting, really, isn't it? I think you, you look, you think of it. It's just, it's just, it's just laughable. I think it's. You know, like Gav said, there's there's obviously a lot more going on right now in the Premier League in terms of you know behavioural issues than, than than people diving. But you know, I just think it, again, it just seems like Everton. It's almost like they're the target, aren't they? Of like this lazy punditry, you know, model, aren't they? They're just the, the the easy target, you know. And it's been like that for a long time, where you know these so-called you know experts, they just seem to like you know take take aim at Everton and use them as a bit of you know a bit of a punch bag. Um, I just think you know. It, it, it's just it's just laughable and I think you know I don't think Dominic Carvalho will lose any, any sleep over the fact that he's won that award if anything I think he'll just be in amazement like the rest of us are because like Preno said there's just so many people who you could give the award to over him you know there's it's just like you say yourself Paul Pogba's on Friday they're going to just do one instance from the latest rounds of games that's the most standout dive yeah. of the weekend's games in, in the sense of he tripped himself up but yeah, I think I don't think Carvalho will be will be losing too much sleep over winning that award, and I think he'll just he'll be laughing to himself. Sorry, that was classic. The Paul Pogba one. That was uh, as you'll remember, uh, Gavin Franny Lee uh, to mention Manchester City uh, because he was like the absolute master of chipping himself up in the box, and like so, did a frequent yeah. thirteen penalties in one season as a result. But this is an isolated incident of Everton attracting adverse publicity unfairly. We also attracted adverse publicity for actually requesting a full disclosure from Manchester City as to why the game was postponed, uh, you know, at three or four hours notice. Yeah. You know, so rather than people asking the questions themselves, well, which players were suffering from COVID? Um, you know, some commentators out there sought to claim the moral high ground by blaming Everton for having the the goal for demanding full disclosure. Let's face it, City have got previous for not, you know, offering full disclosure on incidents in the past. So why shouldn't we? So now it just seems that, you know, so Everson do seem to be a very easy target at the moment. And uh, this is just the latest example of that. But it's also good to see that, you know, as a football club, we are sticking up for ourselves. I mean, uh, demanding full disclosure from Manchester City, which we still haven't had, by the way, as to, uh, you know, so yeah. which players were suffering and why the game was postponed without Everson having been consulted. I, I, I just thought that, yeah, I was a bit disappointed on that, especially some of the people involved in all the you know, usually sounding their opinions, Preno, um, saying that Evan should see the bigger picture rather than trying to get the game played and, you know, and public safety and all that, which we all agree with. But that wasn't Evan's point, was it? No. Evan's point is, you know, from all intents and purposes, that didn't to be left out of the conversation and there'd be a place of comfort in terms of the 
Coach Bowman's. I'm on full disclosure with Perry and Ferro too, as the home team as well. And for yeah. people, I, I thought it was poor for several several people to come out and say, and I know Spurs mentioned by a couple of people, to say they should be seeing a bigger victim and they'd realise safety is paramount and to get the game played. I didn't say that at all. Yeah. And, and I, th- I thought that was really... I, I, that wasn't great, uh, a great look either. I, I'm not particularly fair on the club. I mean, I, I think, to be fair, I think you should have been looking at a far more... A, be- a better judge piece would be looking at the circumstances of why the game was postponed and, you know, where the protocols were, were followed. Um, and I'm, I'm, so not, not a good week, uh, to be fair. And I'm not for that type of thing, you know. Well, if, if Chris Sutton or Robbie Savage are listening, feel free to uh, give one of us a message and tell us <laughs> what <laughs> that was for. Uh, we will move on now to the January transfer window and all the the goodness that that, that, that brings and, and the rumours and, and whatnot. But today, Preno, uh report from Sky Sports saying that PSG are hoping to, to seal a £31 million permanent deal for Moise Keane. In the summer, if if you or or maybe even earlier, if if you put yourself in the shoes of Marcel Brands and Carlo Ancelotti, would you would you be expect uh, accepting even thirty one million for Moise Keane? Is that a deal that you think benefits Everton? Maybe a few sell on clauses in there, or do you think that he still has a future at Goodison Park? I have to answer this in a very slightly different way to the way in which you've asked it, because if I was in the shoes of Marcel Brands and Carlo Ancelotti, they will probably think differently to myself. I'm thinking that Marcel Brands would be very, very keen to keep Moyes Keane. I think he is a man that um, sees a lot of potential there. I think he was very instrumental in bringing him to the football club in the first place. And I think he believes that he's a project worth persevering with, which is why he was allowed to go on loan. And, uh, you know, so when he returns or if he returns, there, there will be, you know, so a much more rounded product that, you know, so could become uh, a very valuable footballer for Everton. That jars with my opinion, because from what I've seen so far, I'd accept 31 million. I, I just don't think there's a player there that's suited for the Premier League. Um, it's a really difficult and unforgiving league uh, to, to blend into. And only from what I've seen of him, you know, so, so far, which is a reasonable amount. I've seen a player that can't hold the ball up particularly well. Um, he's, he's got strength, he's got pace, his finishing's okay. Uh, but the all-around package is just so rough around the edges I think 31 million is decent money for him, and I'd be inclined to take it personally. Uh, okay, I could be spectacularly wrong, and like so, two or three years down the line, we might see a player that you know has, has matured and evolved into something uh, that is far different to what we're seeing now. But at the moment, he reminds me a little bit of a flat track bully. He was uh, loving it in France. He was uh, scoring goals for fun against a team that is so far superior to anybody else uh, in that league that it's it's like you know so. I don't know, Harry Kane going up to play for Celtic up in Scotland. You know, he'd, he'd score like four or five goals a game. Um, I just think it's a similar kind of situation. Um, so, personally, yes, I, I think that we should take uh, an offer like that. But will they? I'm not so sure. I, I think the powers that be probably think that, you know, Moyes Keane is somebody worth persevering with. But not for the first time. I'm at odds with people at the football club. So. <laughs> Fairly forthright from from Preno there, then Gav. It, it, is it the same for you? Do you not see a Premier League footballer in in Moise Keane? Uh, I see. I see a club who's just lost 142 million quid. I'll be half of that down to obviously the COVID um, impact. I see a club 
may want to wish to cash in on them. I mean, they make a profit on them. Yeah. You know, in terms of the accounts, um, because obviously somebody bought at the account of the transfer fee, so they'll, they'll make a profit on them, maybe, I don't know, five million, six million, something like that. Um, plus, obviously, I don't know what the wage situation is, who's paying his wages at the moment. So they'll have that commitment off the books, the wage commitments off the books. And I, I agree with Perno. I mean, I'd fancy playing for PSG, to be fair. Might get the old goal. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you see his record in France. I didn't see the game, but I believe he's poor at United, wasn't he? Um, is my understanding. Um, I, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd sell. Not, I'd sell not because of his doubts over his ability as a player. I just think it's a bear man by a current financial position and needing yeah. to tighten up. I think it could be the best opportunity we have to, 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 to financially to to make the most of most of them for one's better phrase. Gav makes a, a good point about the finances, Connor. Are you gonna be the, the dissenting voice who would you would get Moise Keane back in the summer or do you think it almost has to be it's quite similar I suppose to the the Adamola Luckman and Red Bull Leipzig deal, isn't it? Where if the right offer comes in, do you just have to say, look, it's we, the the financial kind of gain outweighs the the kind of risk of, of keeping them at Everton and, and seeing what he develops into. And obviously, the the wishes of the player have got to come in to it as well. And and from looking on the outside, uh, looking in, he does look pretty happy in France, doesn't he? Yeah, and that, that that's my biggest you know take on this. I think. You know, does Moise Keane want to come back to Everton? And I think the answer's been no. I think he's want to stay in, in Paris and play for PSG, which makes you think that, you know, a £31 million offer would be too you know, too good to turn down for Everton. Um, I don't really see the point as well. If, if he has got aspirations to, to stay in Paris by the club, as look to try and, you know, hold out till the summer in the hope that, you know, he, he will want to come back and fight for his place. I mean, you know, if if you and Moise Keane looking at the you know, deformed on the car what Loon's been in, you know, you're gonna come back you're coming back to play second fiddle to him anyway, pretty much regardless of of how I do in PSG. And I think, you know, I think thirty one million would be a good deal for Everton. In, in, as things stand, I think, you know, you look at it'd be a profit from what they they paid on him and you know, ultimately if the player's got no ambition to come back at Everton and, and prove himself, you know, what what's the point in keeping him? I did feel when 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 Moise Keane left, you know, in was it September October time to go to PSG that that was probably the last time we'd see him in, you know, and an Everton shirt playing for Everton because I never really bought it's the thing of he's just going to go there for the season, you know, prove himself, improve, and and then come back and kick on in the Premier League. I think we've we've seen over time, haven't we? Certainly, you know, as a little, as a little look, for example, that never really quite works out, and you know, people do go away, but then they go away and get the head turns and. And you never really come back. And I think that's ultimately what's happened here. I think, you know, we'd be looking around at, you know, PSG playing in the Champions League, scoring goals on a weekly basis. And he's probably asked, he probably doesn't want to, he's got no ambition to come back to Everton. And if that, if that is the case, which I imagine it, it probably would be, then, you know, 31 million would be a certainly good deal for Everton if they could, you know, try and reinvest somewhere, even if it's just some of that uh, this month and, and get so much needed reinforcements in. Well, we, um, I, I've just I called him out, didn't I, in the podcast? And Chris Sutton has just replied to my tweet. As as oh, he says, uh, we've been playing a simulation game on BBC Five Live Sport for two and a half years now. If players carry on dry, on diving, we will continue to play the clips and call those players out. Most people in this country are sick of the divers and the simulation. It's ruining the game. He still hasn't really answered the basic question of where. Which Cal- was just the answer that we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's very strange from uh, from Chris Sutton that. I suspect well, well, he's got a very busy timeline on his uh, Twitter account today. Uh, yeah, well, my, 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 my point on that, though, is is has to be done in a more constructive way, doesn't it? A more serious yeah. discussion. Because than, than a banal, like, award. I mean, and, and, and also as well, oh, you know, whether somebody died or not, as we say, you don't know, do you? Like that Albert Loom one at Anfield, the one you're talking about, yeah. with Lovren, wasn't it? I thought he was pushed over. You yeah. can tell Lovren love and pushed him over. He never died. Yeah. You, can, you can tell, you can tell Marl um, he was pushed over. And that, but as you say, he got stiff. So uh, I just think, I know what he's yeah. trying to do, but I, I just think it was, I just think it's not a good look for me. He got stick and he never got one. Was it the uh, the following season, the Marco Silva final game, where he was racing into the box at the cop end and Virgil van Dijk yeah. clearly pushed him and yeah. uh, no penalty yeah. was given? Presumably, again, that, that, because, you know, publicity had been attached to the previous incidents. That, that was more of a penalty that than... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's have a put on the 5-2 at Anfield. I was cracked this one. And that's what I mean. That's the whole point. People get reputations unfairly. Yeah. You know, I'd be interested to know why, why Pogba wasn't. How many times Pogba's been uh, uh, pulled up in two and a half years? Yeah. Or how many penalties have United had since Solskjaer? Of course, he's something is ridiculous. Seven hundred and one. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think there's a serious issue, and, I, and by all means, discuss it. It's given a war out. It just undermines the whole argument, doesn't it? Really, yeah, it's not so. a game show. It's a professional sport. Well, moving on to the onto the final part of, of the podcast then, to, to stick with the, the transfer window theme and, and something else that, that brought a strong reaction from Everton supporters this week, Preno, was a report in the Daily Mail that Carlo Ancelotti and Marcel Brand could be considering giving Gilfie Sigurdsson a new contract. His, his contract runs out in 2022. Your thoughts on, on that, yay or nay? Um... <sighs> Yeah, probably going to upset loads of people again here because, yeah, I think that's a d- decent idea. I'm a fan of Gilfie Sigurdsson's. I know not everybody is. He's a very Marmite character, but he's got something that we don't really have in abundance, which is uh, creativity. Um, he's got to be played in the right portion of the pitch to actually see that, but you can make things happen. I know he hasn't scored as many goals this season as we'd like to see, as he did in the, the season before last um, but he still has quality. Uh, he's still highly thought of by Carlo Ancelotti, so much so that he's worn the armband on numerous occasions this season. Um, it's just all about playing Gilfie in the right part of the pitch. But uh, I'm a fan, and uh, I just think he offers something to the squad that we don't have masses of. Um, so I, I don't see the point. So what you're going to get for him if you're trying to put him on, on, on the transfer market now, given what we spent for him, um, you'd do well to get a fraction of that back, uh, especially given, presumably, the wages that he's on. So I, I just don't that, re- really see the point in letting him go. I think so that would be the, the issue, wouldn't it? That if he was signed for £45 million on a five-year contract, that would make his depreciating value £9 million pounds a year. So uh, with one year left in his contract, he'd be worth technically £9 million. Could, could you see someone paying £9 million for a 31, 32-year-old Gilfie Sigurdsson, Gav? Sorry, and equally, could we attract somebody that can bring what he brings to the squad for the same value? Sorry to jump yeah. in there, but yeah. So. No. Just, just say something. I'm very impressed by using the terms juxtaposition and depreciating value on the podcast. This is uh, <laughs> this is this is new territory for me. This, you know, 
I, I bring a, <laughs> I bring a, such a class there, Phil Kirk. Yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. A, such a uh, uh, class there. Yeah, very uh, what, what was the question again? Sigurdsson, in on this, I can understand why people are not happy, uh, but all I agree with some of Penno's stuff. Uh, I think this is the classic. Put him on a longer, longer contract, so we sell him even probably a little bit more for him. To be fair, yeah. I think that that's probably about what like for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, and. Um, I, that's what it looks like to me. Um, but, but sometimes that can backfire for you. I mean, we did the same with it was it Kevin Morales who did the same thing. That backfired completely, didn't he? Uh, didn't it? Uh, so, yeah, I, I, get, I, I get that to extend it, you know, new contract to to, um, to to keep his value. But as you say, how, how old skill for now? Is he 30? 31. Trying to think. Is he 30, 31, yeah. Yeah, you'd be lucky to. You know, if they sold him next twelve months for nine ten million, we wouldn't be losing anything because if, as you your piece of explained depreciating value calculation, uh, Sam. You know, so uh, yeah, I'm fifty fifty on this to be honest with you. Yeah. But I can see why people aren't, aren't happy, uh, especially after the poor performance on that. That, that, that doesn't help. If they said after Sheffield United new contract, okay, after Wednesday when he after the. West Ham when he was poor, different thing, isn't it? You know, but I can see why people are unhappy. To be fair, fully understand. Is that is that what it all comes down to then, Connor? It, it, getting someone to to pay a a, a reasonable fee for a thirty one year old and and ultimately shoulder his shoulder his sizable wages. I think there was reports of maybe interest from America potentially in the summer, but it would probably take something like that, wouldn't it, to to offload them at this point? Yeah, absolutely. I think. That that's always been the issue, hasn't it, with Gilfie Six over the last couple of years? Is you know who would pay a, a sizable fee for him, and then who would take on his wages? I I, th- I agree with what both the lads have said there. I think you know it, it's a fifty fifty call. This in terms, of, I think fans the way they look at it. I think you know some will, you, you can see the reason why in terms of his experience. You know, Carl Ancelotti clearly clearly thinks he's got something about him. You know, he's, he's bought the captain's arm and he's played in numerous positions um, for his boss so far this season, but. I agree with Gav. I think, I I I think if he'd have asked after Sheffield United or Chelsea when he was, you know, he, he was really impressed and he showed signs of what he can, he, he's capable of. People would have maybe been in favour, but I think after after Friday, he was kind of, you know, he's, he's one of them kinds of people who's he's, he's still a lingering thing of this the Steve Bolshear, isn't he? Of you know, someone who was brought in for a lot of money who. who who's on a high wage, who, doesn't, who hasn't really lived up to his, his expectations. So I can see why why they're doing it, but I think Everton, I think a lot of Everton fans team is, you know, someone connected to that Steve Walsh reign and that he's another piece of, you know, kind of devil who the club need to get rid of and, and start again. But I would be surprised to see him sign a new, you know, maybe a new two-year contract. Um, to, it, it, certainly maybe just to keep himself, you know, Carl and Sotty tied over with, with experience and, and someone who can, you know, help him out and play numerous positions across across the field. Well, lads, thank you very much for joining me. We, we'll be back later in the week to preview what will hopefully be a much more cheery occasion, but good to get it all off our chest and, and good to have some live input from Chris Sutton while we, while we were live on it. Always a nice little uh, interlude. Thank you very much again for listening. Hope you've all had a great start to the new year. Hopefully we will see you all 
back at Goodison Park very soon as well when it's safe to do so. We've been Sam Carroll, Conor O'Neill, Dave Prentice, Gavin Buckland, and you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.